welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. Today, as we close out Thanksgiving weekend, I want to look at the story of the 10 lepers from Luke 17. I want to pull out some points of gratitude this morning. If you got your Bible with you, you can turn to Luke 17. I know the past three weeks we've been on our Money on My Mind sermon series, and we've been everywhere in the Bible. Today, I promise we are staying in Luke 17 for the whole message. Let me read the story to you, Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, say one of them, one of them, when one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, And he fell on his feet at Jesus' feet, fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. When the one returned. The one person that turned back returned to praise God and thank him. As we close out this November, I felt it was an appropriate time to look at this story of the one who returned to God and praised him. And this message simply entitled, The Return of the One. Not return of the king, not return of the Jedi, return of the one. We've already done the movies, guys. Get the movies out of your head, okay? We're moving on past that. Return of the one. Now let's start back at the beginning of this story. Jesus is he's on his way to Jerusalem. And he's passing through this small village. And thankfully, Jesus is never in a hurry when he traveled. Do you notice that? He, he's never too big. He's never too important to stop and meet with people. And because of that, 10 men were healed because Jesus took time to see them and speak to them. And I want to explain for a moment the background of of what leprosy is, okay? Leprosy was this awful disease, extremely contagious. People with this disease were cast out from society. They were forced to live on the outskirts of society, and that's why they're in this remote village, because they had to be far away, but but they wanted to stay as close as they possibly could in order to receive charity from people. And we can assume that this this staying near to society, this is why they came to to know Jesus. On the outskirts, they had heard rumors of the stories of miracles of this Jesus guy. But they had to still, they had to stand at at a distance as the law required them. But from that distance, they lifted their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. A very succinct appeal. 
They shouted his name, his title, and what they wanted Jesus to do for them. They didn't introduce themselves. They didn't need to explain their condition. They simply knew that they needed Jesus. And it's interesting to me that they call him Master. They call his name Jesus, and then they call him Master, asking for mercy. And I looked at the Greek word for master that they use. It is only seen a handful of times in the New Testament, all in the book of Luke. And every time that it's used, except for this time, every other time it is only used by the disciples. This is the one time that Jesus is called master by someone who's not a disciple. To me, this says that these lepers are so desperate they're so devoted, they're so passionate about Jesus because he is their only hope. He is their only hope to go back to a normal life. Desperation. I don't know that we truly know what desperation is in America these days, right? You know, we have first world problems. Most of us have a, hopefully all of us have a, a roof over our head clothes in our closet, food in our fridge, a vehicle in our driveway. These people are completely desperate. I think that's how we're intended to approach God, in desperation. That's why the Bible says if you desire to hunger and thirst after God, to seek righteousness. Hunger and thirst, these are things we need to receive in order to stay alive, right? We should be devoted, we should be this desperate for God. So the lepers, they say, Jesus, we call you master, and we ask you to have mercy on us, to show us pity, to help us in our affliction. They are getting a hold of Jesus' attention. And it says that Jesus saw them, and he spoke to them. He saw them, and he spoke to them. He simply tells them what? To go and show yourselves to the priests. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed. As they obeyed what Jesus said by, by going, they were cleansed. And look at what verse 15 says again. It says, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. When this man saw that he was healed, he turned back to praise God with a loud voice. When he saw a change in his circumstance, he made a change in his direction. He saw the healing, he saw the miracle, and then he turned to praise God. And our first point today on gratitude, gratitude begins with seeing and praising. You have to see it first in order to praise God for it. Right? You, you can't thank God for what you don't stop to see. When we are hurrying through our day, how can we stop to acknowledge the blessings of God? And notice this man didn't say, oh, I've been healed, great, I'm going to thank God later for that. No, 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 he said right now, I've got to go and thank him right now. Immediately, he changed his direction. It just means more when in that moment you respond to God with thanks. Can we recognize the goodness of God all around us in our lives? There will be 
always be something to be thankful for. Think about just driving on the road. How many times have you been thankful that God has kept you safe on the road? Or have you chalked it up to saying, well, I'm just a good driver, so I was just safe because of that. No, there was a few nights ago, I was driving home. It's dark out early, right? And I'm just, you know, I'm in my own head thinking, and I'm driving, and I'm just tunnel vision. And all of a sudden, I see this car coming the other way. And I'm like, wow, they're going really slow. It's like 55 in this area. Why are they going so slow? All of a sudden, five deer on the left side are just trickling onto the road slowly, not knowing what they're doing. And I think, wow, if that car hadn't stopped, if I hadn't seen that car, I don't think I would have seen the deer coming. I don't know how many of you are great with, with like keeping an eye and to see for deer. I always have tunnel vision. I like to think I'm a decent driver, but there are so many times where we'll drive past things and she's like, wow, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, obviously. <laughs> saw what? Those 10 deer over there. Yeah, yeah, I saw them. It was fine. We're fine. So many times I'm like, God, thank you. That other car was coming so that I was safe. What if we began to be thankful and notice even the small things in our life that God has given us? Protection as we drive home. A healthy body that can get up in the morning. It was a little tough getting in the morning, getting up on Friday after playing football. It was a little bit more difficult. There was a little bit of groaning and sighing after my hamstrings are sore but I was still able to get up the next morning. Our health and, and the health of the loved ones. Friends, these are things that we can take for granted if we're not careful. These are things that we don't notice until all of a sudden they're in, they're in jeopardy. They're threatened. Earlier this year, my, my younger brother, he found out that he had thyroid cancer. And, and he had surgery, thankful, a few months back to take out one half of it. And they found out that he had to go, they had to go back in and take out the second half, which they're going to do in a few months. He's had good reports so far, so far. But when Andrew called me and he broke this bad news to me, initially I was like, whoa, I, I was stunned. Like, where did this come from? Because all before this, I, I've never been nervous about my brother's health. It's just something I've never had to worry about or think about. And all of a sudden, I'm worried about his health for the first time in my life. And I'm thankful when the surgery goes well, and I'm thankful for doctors that, that help us heal us. But if we don't take time to be thankful for what we already have, it's only, unfortunately, a lot of times when it's lost that we begin to realize what God has given us all these years. Can we be thankful for the small things now? Can we see the goodness and praise God for it now? This man, this leper, it says he turned back immediately, praising God with a loud voice. It says he was not shy in his praise to God. I looked through every version of the Bible to make sure every version says that he was loud in his praise, that he praised God loudly. And you know, I know the metaphor for being loud and excited about our sports team and comparing that to the praise of God. I know it's overused, okay? I admit that. I don't know if you've heard that before. I, I agree that we use it too much. But if I were to use it just one more time, if, if I were to use it one more time, I would just say, don't we give God our best? Aren't we supposed to give him our first? We talked about that through money on my mind. So if we can give God our best in other things, if we can be loud and excited about other things that happen that are appropriate, why can't we be loud and excited when God has done things in our lives? Amen. Are you with me this morning? 
Now, after he shouts praise to God, what does it say he does next in verse 16? Verse 16, it says, And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. It's interesting to me that there's a full range of emotions from this man who's just received restoration to his health. That he would be shouting one moment and then kneeling the next. And Jesus is specifically, it says he then gave thanks to God. And we, we see the posture of giving thanks to God here. The posture of thanks. Sometimes it's shouting. Sometimes it's bowing down in reverence before God. It can be both. It can be both. It's interesting that at this point now, this man has come before God, he's, he's thanked Jesus, and it is at this moment that Luke decides to give us a, uh, a plot twist in the story. Did you notice that? At the end of verse 16, he says, now he was a Samaritan. He's a Samaritan who did this. The one person that returned to God to thank him is a Samaritan. Remember, we know that the, the Jesus says, and I know I'm getting ahead of the story, but he says, who is this foreigner that has returned to me? He calls him a foreigner. Another word for that is an alien. It is the only time in the Bible that we see the word foreigner used, at least this Greek word. I think it's because he's a foreigner, not just because he's a Samaritan and the rest are Jews, but I think it's because he is one of a kind. He is the only one who returns to Jesus to thank him. The only one that notices his healing and stop what he's doing to return to God. Notice, this man, when he does this, he is actually disobeying Jesus. What did Jesus tell him to do? He said, go and show yourself to the priest. But this man said, no, 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 before I do that, there's something way more important. You didn't ask me to do it, Jesus, but I'm going to give it to you anyways. I'm going to give you thanks before I go on to start my life again, before I go back to my family, before I go back to my friends, before I go back and get a job and start my life. I have to start right here with giving thanks to you first. Does anybody else feel that? He disobeyed Jesus to give him thanks. Jesus didn't ask for it. He freely gave it to him. This foreigner, this Samaritan. Remember, Jews and Samaritans, they hated each other. They wanted nothing to do with each other. But yet this Samaritan who has a deadly disease, he has been ostracized by his community the only group of people that will embrace him are a group of Jews that are also struggling with the same sickness. Think about that. This group is bonded by their shared misery instead of distanced by their usual racial hatred. Their national prejudice vanished as they joined together, praying to Jesus, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. In their desperation, they, they forgot that they had differences, and they came together. For many reasons, the Samaritan was the least likely to return and give praise to God. But instead of feelings of resentment, thanksgiving arose in his heart. 
And when he comes back to Jesus, look, look at what he says. Look at what Jesus says to him in verse 17 when he came back. It says, then Jesus answered, we're not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. I think it's interesting to me that Jesus has a man return to him with praise, with kneeling at his feet. And the first thing that Jesus says, he doesn't say, oh, thank you for coming back. He says, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? The first thing that Jesus says to him, he notices those who didn't return to him. He notices the nine people that didn't come back to him. Our second point on gratitude is gratitude is uncommon. It's unfortunate, but it's uncommon in our lives, right? This person, this Samaritan, I would say he is the epitome of uncommon. A Samaritan already ostracized by his group, left out, and he's the one that returns to thank God. Gratitude is uncommon. Jesus noticed the lack of gratitude of the nine Jewish men that were saved and healed. Ingratitude is unfortunately not uncommon. One person. I wonder if that one person out of ten, if you're doing math, that's 10% of the people. If we look at that, is that an average of how often we return to God and say thank you? I think maybe out of all the things that Jesus does for us, maybe 10% is the amount of time, is, is the percentage of time that we come back and say thank you to God for what he's done in our lives. Just my thought. I just wonder if that's a percentage indication of our thanksgiving to him. And this man, he doesn't just, he doesn't say, thanks God, and continue on his way. No, he turns, he stops what he's doing and properly thanks God. Shouting to him, kneeling before him, that's uncommon. It's uncommon to spend time giving thanks to God. Yeah, I want to spend time with God, but just not right now, right? Later. I'll have time more later tonight. Before the healing, these 10 lepers had all the time in the world. They had nowhere to go. They had nothing that they were allowed to do. They were just waiting on the outskirts. It's not until they received their healing were they allowed to go back and go back to their life. But at that moment, nine of the 10 didn't have time to come back and thank God. Gratitude is uncommon. There's a book called The Art of Impossible by Stephen Kotler. And he talks about how a person can be at their peak in their life, especially their mentality. That's for anything, whether you're an artist or an athlete or a scientist or a CEO, how can you be at your peak mentally? He says it starts with your mental hygiene. He listed out three things. He said, first of all, your self-talk. What are the words that you're saying over yourself? Are you saying optimistic things? Are you saying pessimistic things over your life? What's your self-talk like? Secondly, he said, your mindfulness. What are you envisioning is going to happen in your life? What are you, what are you keeping your mind, what are your thoughts about? And the last one, he said, is gratitude. 
Do you have thoughts of gratitude? Are you thankful for the things that are happening in your life? And there was an article a few years back from the Harvard Business Review. It discussed the findings of a survey of 2,000 Americans. And where do you think, when these people took their survey, where were they the least grateful at? What place were they at when they were taking the survey that they were the least grateful? When they were at their work. If they took this while they were on the job at their workplace, they, had, they were not grateful. They were the least grateful. But it lists out, it lists out the argument says, there are benefits to feelings of gratitude. You see, gratitude is not this intangible, abstract, fluffy concept. It's practical. You, you can be grati- grateful in a practical way. And this lists out some of the benefits from this article of taking time to be grateful. It says it allows you to savor positive experiences. It allows you to cope with stressful situations. It helps you be resilient in the face of challenges and strengthens our social relationships. Psychological research has shown that if you write a letter letter of gratitude once a week for six weeks, you will have a greater level of life satisfaction compared to those who are only recording their ordinary life events. In another study, are you done with studies? One more study. In another study, people were asked to keep a weekly journal for 10 weeks. Some of them were asked, three different groups. One group was asked to write down five things or five people that they're grateful for. Some people were asked to write about the five hassles that they had during the week, different experiences they had that were negative. And then there was a third group that was supposed to write down random five events, kind of like a control group, right? And the people that were asked to write down their problems, they would write things like, you know, struggling to find parking, spending too much money, burning the macaroni and cheese, all these different things. The people that had to write blessings, they would mention people that were generous in their life. Something that they learned new that week that was interesting. Something as simple as seeing a sunset. As you can probably imagine, the gratitude group scored higher on positive emotions, higher on self-reported physical and mental health, and they felt more connected to people as compared to the other groups. Gratitude is uncommon, and unfortunately, its lack in our life is costing us what could be an improvement on our perspective of health. And I believe that God designed it to to be this way. There are natural senses. There's natural ways that there are benefits. There are also spiritual benefits to gratitude. We've looked over some of these verses over the past few weeks. 2 Corinthians 4 says, As grace extends to more people, it may increase thanksgiving. The glory of God. Gratitude glorifies God. It extends the glory of God. Maybe you're familiar with Philippians 4.6. One of my favorite verses this time of the year. Be anxious about nothing, but in everything, through prayer, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Gratitude is the anxiety antidote. You have anxiety in your life, you have stress in your life, I would encourage you to start thinking about how you can be grateful for the things that you have. 
One other scripture, 1 Timothy 6. We looked at that last week. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm content. I'm grateful for what I have. I don't need more. That's the great gain. That's what 1 Timothy says. All of these are physical and spiritual benefits. And yet gratitude is uncommon. It's uncommon, but, but we should be glad that Jesus sees our gratitude. I want to add on to that second point. I don't want to just end on gratitude as uncommon. It's uncommon, but it's not unnoticed. Jesus sees the gratitude of this man. We don't see enough of it in our lives, but when we are grateful and thankful, it does not go unnoticed by Jesus. Because this man is so grateful, he is able to have a conversation He's able to have a relationship with God. Gratitude cultivates relationships. The other nine people received the healing the same way as those Jews. All ten people received the same physical healing. But the Samaritan, he wanted more than just a physical healing. He wanted a relationship with God. Jesus noticed the lack of the nine neglecting to return to him. But then he turned his attention to the one, the Samaritan, the foreigner. And he said this, verse 19, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Our third point today as we close, gratitude continues our relationship and completes our faith. How often do we receive from God and then we go back to living our life the way that we want to? People say, why would God allow bad things to happen to me? God doesn't allow bad things to happen to you. He doesn't make things happen to you. But he will take any opportunity to get a hold of your attention. And unfortunately, sometimes it's only in the bad things do we all of a sudden focus our attention on God. When things are good, we think, why, why do I need God? I'm already good. I've got everything that I need already. Sometimes when things go bad, we say, oh, hey, you know what? I, I don't have control over my life. I, I need to look to something, a higher source, a, a, a savior to help me out in this time of need. When we take time to thank God, be thankful for what he's done, we are continuing our relationship with him. You know, that gratitude grows the bonds with Jesus. And in response to this Samaritan's gratitude, Jesus says one sentence to him. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. This is only spoken to the Samaritan. He's the only one that hears that. Your faith has made you well. It's not to say that the others lacked faith, but possibly their faith was incomplete because it did not include gratitude. I think that gratitude completes our faith. I believe that gratitude gives us complete healing. Not just our physical needs, but our spiritual needs. The other lepers could have left with healthy bodies, but their hearts could still be 
detached from God. Sometimes we receive from God, but then nothing changes in our life. I don't know about you, but I want a touch from God to mark my life. I can't get an amen on that. I want a touch from God to mark me, to change me, to alter my future. Because I've been with God, I'm not the same anymore. I'm different. Jesus would acknowledge his thanks and praise, and he tells him to rise and go your way because your faith has made you well. Not just your body, but I've made your faith well so that your mind, your body, your soul, gratitude keeps us closely connected to God. Worship team, why don't you come join me? This morning, I've asked the worship team to, to lead us in that song that we sang earlier. You and you alone, God, we thank this morning. As I was reading this passage over and over again, I just thought to myself, I cannot afford to be like the nine. That God came and he took a moment to see me in my hurt, in my distress, and he changed my life physically. If God took time to do that for me, the least I can do for him before I go and continue my day, before I keep going on and doing the things that I'm doing, I want to stop first and say, thank you, Jesus. I never want there to be a reason for God to say to me, where did Matt go? Didn't I heal Matt? Didn't I touch his life? He's already left. He's already gone on with his life. I never want God to have an opportunity to say that about me. I never want God to be able to say, I helped Matt out and he's gone and he's done his own thing. I'd rather be loud about my praise. I'd rather be too loud for the world than insufficient in my praise to God. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I want us to give an opportunity. I don't want to say all these things and then say, God bless you. Have a great day. I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give myself an opportunity this morning say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. I'm not leaving here today without listing one, two, three, four things that God has done in my life. And so if you're here, you're with me, not just physically, but mentally, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and just take a moment, five minutes, to say, God, thank you for what you've done in my life. I'm not leaving here today without giving you gratitude. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you've done in our lives. Every season of our life, there's a reason to say thank you. Every, every season of our life, there's a, a reason for us to have joy, thanksgiving in our hearts. And so we come like the one. We return to you like the one. Whether it's shouting and it's, it's loud or whether it's reverent and it's an honor kneeling before, but we come today to say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, church, let's thank him this morning. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. For updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.